0: This morning, if, we will, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs 24. Our sermon text is in Proverbs 24 today. Over the summer here at Sovereign Grace, we were looking at the richness of the Psalms, and now we are gleaning wisdom from the Proverbs. One of the things that it is important for us to understand is that wisdom is this thing That is not just words to hear. Wisdom is something that changes us. And and what we see here in the Proverbs is that truth from God Himself. So if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Be not envious of evil men nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with the precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory." Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate he does not open his mouth. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we do not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Verses 13 and 14 will be our focus today. My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future future and your hope will not be cut off. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. and We thank you, God, for this time to hear your word. Please speak into our spirits. Please speak into our souls today. And I pray, God, that as we listen, as we glean wisdom from your word, that it would become sweet as honey. And that it would just change our very being. So God, this is your time. These are your words. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Please have a seat. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good meal every now and then, don't you? That's part of the Baptist doctrine. Can we say amen? Uh, part of being in, in God's house is fellowship together. And next week... We will have our, uh, our fellowship meal that happens every first uh, Sunday of the month. And so I pray that you come back and enjoy that time. But there is something about eating good food, right? Uh, our, our culture is enamored with good. I think the latest craze on food is the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Apparently is giving Chick-fil-A a run for their money. Have you all heard that? I've not had the Popeye's chicken sandwich, but I didn't know anything could compete with Chick-fil-A, but apparently the, the world is taking notice of Popeye's chicken sandwich. But The question is, when we eat, what are we eating? Are we eating something that is healthy for our bodies? Are we eating something that is good for us? I know that our, our physical health is important, but how often do we consider our spiritual health? Amen. It is one thing to make sure that we're eating the right foods, that we're getting the right exercise, that we are taking care of our bodies and getting the rest that our physical bodies need. There is wisdom in that. And God's Word speaks to that as well. That's a different sermon altogether. But there is wisdom here in the book of Proverbs from Solomon to his son about wisdom. If you remember, wisdom is that thing which teaches us how to live Wisdom is that aspect of our lives that shows us how we ought to be. And if we are to be God's children, we do not decide this for ourselves. If we are God's children, we do listen to God's word. Proverbs chapter 24 speaks about wisdom as honey for the soul. We're going to focus on verses 13 and 14, but let's understand the context here before we get to those verses. What Solomon is now teaching his son is how to build a wise house, how to build a home, how to build a life. When, it, when we look in verse 3, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. That concept of the house is your family. The concept of the house is your life. The concept of the house is also your legacy. All of these things tie into the scriptural understanding of of a house. David's house was given the blessing of covenant that the Messiah would come through David's house. And God would not have made that covenant if David's house was not built on his wisdom. So by wisdom a house is built. We can take these, these words of encouragement here from the Proverbs even into our own lives, into our own house. How are we raising our children? How are we living our lives together in marriage? How are we living as even single men and women how is a house built? It's built on understanding through wisdom. And wisdom is that thing that God gives that we've seen here for the last few weeks. Wisdom, I would argue from the Proverbs, is, comes directly from Christ himself. Christ is God's wisdom for us to glean. Now how is a house built by wisdom? It is built by listening. But not just listening. Because we can listen to a lot of wisdom. We can listen to a lot of foolishness. Our... our <laughs> our airwaves, our media is consumed with a lot of stuff, right? We, we live in the 21st century where we have more information at our fingertips than any human generation has ever seen. We don't have to learn much anymore. We've got Google. And it goes with us in the palm of our hand in our cell phones. And it has made us more ignorant because we're not allowing Knowledge to come into our very being and change us. Knowledge has now become a commodity. Information is now something that has monetary value. You can make money now with information. We are, we are not in the industrial age of a century ago. We are in the information age. Totally different time of human existence. And in the midst of all of this swarming of knowledge and and data and facts, there is no wisdom. What is wisdom? The result of wisdom in verse 4 is that through this wisdom, by knowledge, the rooms of the house are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Now, you can see see two ideas here at present in this verse. It's not only the, the physical material things that we need to live and to live well. We do need physical comforts in order to live well. How many of y'all slept on the ground last night? <laughs> so a house is necessary. A bed is necessary. Air conditioning, I think, has now become a necessity, especially today of all days. So material things are necessary, and they're precious and they're pleasant. These riches are do provide a good life. But also the thing here in verse 4 is talking about the precious and pleasant riches is also the wealth of wisdom and the wealth of wisdom that comes from God himself. Remember the contrast here in Proverbs is between those who are wicked and evil and those who are righteous and full of wisdom. Solomon here now tells us in his Proverbs in verse 13. Actually, let's go to verse 12. Talking about those who watch over your soul. Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it, what your heart perceives? And will he not repay man according to his word? You see, God alone knows our soul. How many of you all know who you are deep down inside? How many of you all know who you are? Sometimes we wrestle with that. What is is my being? What is my identity? Who am I? If we struggle with that, I promise you God knows who we are. As we see here in verse 12, does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? What he's talking about, does he not know what our heart perceives? God knows what, we're, what our attention is on. He knows our very essence. He knows who we are. So the Solomon, Solomon's wisdom here in verse 13 tells us, My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future or a reward, and your hope will not be cut off. The imagery here in the Proverbs is very profound. How many people here like a good bit of honey in a hot cup of tea or on a good hot biscuit with butter? Mmm. Honey is a sweet thing. I don't know if you've ever given honey to an infant, but man, when they taste honey... They want more. Honey is a good thing. Honey is sweet. It is also nutritious. What kind of nutrition do we get from honey? I mean, think about it. I, I've been told that if you really want to take care of a cold or any kind of allergies, you try to have a regular diet of local honey. That's what I've been told. It's the local honey that is supposed to assist your body and in your, in your, uh, your uh, immune system in doing these things. So there is, there is nutrition in honey. It is sweet. The imagery here of the honey is tied to wisdom, isn't it? Look here in verse 13. My son, eat honey for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. And there he, he, he compares this in verse 14. This honey from the honeycomb. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If honey is good and attractive and sweet and nutritious. Likewise, wisdom is greater. We want to know what wisdom is. Wisdom is like, according to God's word here, wisdom is like the sweetness of the honeycomb that changes our soul. The Greek, prophet, or the Greek philosopher, I'm just about messed up there, not the Greek prophet, the Greek philosopher Socrates argued that uh, philosophy was a pursuit of wisdom, and wisdom was the thing that improved the soul. Many of us ignore those facts of even Scripture. This is what Solomon is telling us throughout the Proverbs. Wisdom is necessary for the soul. This is not human wisdom. This is not man-made wisdom. Man-made wisdom leads us down to folly and leads us into a path of departing from God. But God's wisdom, which is higher than man's wisdom, if wisdom is that thing which improves the soul, how much more does God's wisdom change our soul and make us like Him? That's the thing to understand here, verses 13 and 14. Solomon is using the imagery of the sweet honey and the honeycomb to explain what wisdom is. If honey is good for your body, if honey brings nutrition for your physical health, wisdom does so much more for your soul. Wisdom nourishes the soul. Now, Where does wisdom come from? It comes here from God's Word. Now, how can we understand this even deeper? This is not the only time that Scripture speaks of wisdom as sweet as honey and good for the soul. Flip over to Ezekiel chapter 3 for me. That's a couple of books over, several books over to the right in your Bible. Ezekiel is right after Jeremiah. We're going to look at some passages in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel, but I want us to look at Ezekiel chapter 3 first. Sometimes when we're trying to understand Scripture, like in the Proverbs, we need some comparison throughout Scripture. The way to interpret Scripture is to interpret it by other Scripture. That's one of a... that's a very strong way to do this. So what, is, what does Solomon mean here in the imagery in verses 13 and 14 of Proverbs 24 of honey and the, and the soul? Ezekiel chapter 3, speaking about Ezekiel the prophet who saw the wheel in the skies as the angels come. Look here in chapter 3. This is God calling Ezekiel to be a prophet. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. God is calling Ezekiel to be his prophet. God is calling Ezekiel to be his mouth to the people. And before Ezekiel can speak God's word to the people, God must first give Ezekiel his word. And so he tells him, this is figurative language. So the figurative language here is that God is giving Ezekiel a scroll to eat. I don't know about you, but how many people have eaten something that didn't settle well with you and it wasn't too long before it came back up? I don't want to be too gross today, but we've all been there, amen? If we've got children. Uh, I, here's one thing I know, and parents, you've you all been here, right? You know you're a parent when your child can throw up all over your new dress or your new suit, and it's okay. There are things that we take into our bodies that are not good for us, and it will violently return out of our body. Think of the same thing here as God is telling The prophet Ezekiel, I am making you my mouthpiece to the nation of Israel. He's calling Ezekiel to speak to the the rebellious people of Israel. And he says, before you go, I want you to eat this scroll. So figuratively, God is giving Ezekiel his word to consume. Not just something to eat like junk food but something that will bring nourishment to his soul. Something that if Ezekiel is going to speak God's voice, if Ezekiel is going to be God's voice to the people, Ezekiel must have God's word as a part of him. And so the figurative language is you consume this or so eat this scroll. I don't know about you, If somebody handed you a piece of paper that was rolled up to eat, <laughs> would you all do that? Ezekiel here, he says here in verse 2, So I opened my mouth, and he being God gave me the scroll to eat. And look at the results of it. It, it not only fills his belly, it fills up who he is. And, and, and the taste was as sweet as honey. It's amazing. Now, we look. the similar imagery is in Jeremiah. If you flip just one book before that, in Jeremiah chapter 15, Prophet Jeremiah also speaks in the same kind of language. Jeremiah chapter 15, beginning in verse 15. Jeremiah complaining to the Lord. It's amazing how these Old Testament prophets complained to the Lord, didn't they? Anybody here know that? I've been there. Jeremiah 15 verse 15, "O Lord, you know. Oh Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see the same imagery here? Prophet Jeremiah speaks about God's word as something that he eats. Your words were found, he says, and I ate them, and your words became a joy to me. It was not something that, was, that did not settle well with his spirit. It was something that became a joy to him and a delight to his heart. And the reason it was is because Jeremiah calls upon the Lord God himself. Not only that, notice where this, this meal comes from. These prophets just don't go into the kitchen and cook their own concoction of God's word. Where are they receiving God's word? From God himself. He is, it's like God has, has prepared a feast of wisdom. And he brings it to these prophets like we would present a fine feast to guests in our home. And he says, I want you to consume this. This is my gift you. I know the gift of hospitality is a precious thing. If you've ever had friends or family to your home, we're going into the holiday season here soon in November and December. As much as we enjoy family, we know that the Thanksgiving season can also be stressful and the Christmas season can be stressful but the gift of hospitality, of preparing wonderful food for your guests and bringing them to your guests. You do it out of love and compassion, and you want the best for them. This is what God is doing for his prophets. He's bringing to them something that God himself has created as special. God is giving these men Of his these these men of God, he's giving them something that is sweet as honey. That is also nutritious and beneficial to the soul. Now, how do we? Here's an interesting thing as well about this. When we look in Proverbs and this idea of wisdom as honey for the soul, when we look at the examples of the prophet Ezekiel and the prophet Jeremiah. We, can, we see this as a sign of why they are genuine prophets of God. What does Deuteronomy chapter 18 tell us? Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 through 22 gives us the, example, or the, the description of what a true prophet of God is. If you want to know who is a false prophet, compare their words and their actions to Deuteronomy chapter 18. If Deuteronomy chapter 18 lines up with what they're doing, then they're a genuine prophet. But if they are not a genuine prophet, then they will not line up with Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18 makes it real simple. A true prophet prophet of God will put God's own words in his mouth. You see, a true prophet will have God's words in them. But God himself will put the words in the mouth of the prophet. This is important because we have come through the 20th century and many decades now of of people in religious circles and in ministry claiming to be God's prophet. But then whenever you look at their prophecies and they don't come to pass and they turn out to be false, they continue to claim to be prophets. (coughs) Not one word that came out of their mouths must have come from God because when God speaks, it happens. Amen? What we see here is that these prophets of the Old Testament are true prophets because God himself put his own words in their mouth and he gives it to them as something that is sweet as honey. These words of God are the wisdom of God given to the men of God to proclaim God's words to the people. You see, a true prophet of God receives God's word. Not just listens to it. A true prophet of God receives God's word, and that word of God becomes a part of the prophet himself. It's just like whenever we eat something that is good for us, we digest it, and that food becomes part of our essence and our being. We are what we eat. Amen? For the good or the worse. If we consume God's word as sweet honey, that becomes wisdom for our soul. So just like the true prophet, has God himself placing his own words within the prophet, a true child of God digests God's wisdom in the same manner. Amen? You see, Jeremiah indicates... In his prophecy, Jeremiah indicates that he digested the words of God like food. Not that he just merely licked it like a lollipop, he consumes it. And that nourishment of God's wisdom becomes central to Jeremiah's very being so that he can be God's mouthpiece. You see, if Jeremiah indicates that he digested the words of God like food, Then they were deeply rooted in his mind as if he really had cooked and digested them. And it became his nourishment. Wow. You see, God does this, I think, in the Old Testament with the prophets. He he wishes to confirm his prophets. He just doesn't haphazardly say, I want you to go speak my word to the people. God was very selective in who proclaimed his word in the Old Testament. God wished to confirm His prophets. And one of the ways to confirm a prophet is that you give them the taste of God's wisdom and see how they receive it. If God is calling the prophet to be His mouthpiece to the people and the the prophet rejects God's word, then he's no longer God's man. So God wishes to confirm His prophets. We see this in the Old Testament. So God giving the scroll or the book in some translations is what the prophet speaks. When the prophet speaks God's word, it's because God has placed that within them and they have consumed it like sweet honey. It was just as if God had made an instrument of his spirit out of a mere human being. That's how God works. He will take the least likely of all of us, he will take the human being that has the least potential in human eyes and give them his wisdom to the point that they become his mouthpiece and they go and they proclaim God's word. The words that come from someone like that are words that are so profound no one can recognize them as man's words. They must come from God. Now the prophets Ezekiel and the Jeremiah here When we look at their words in Scripture, their words that they proclaimed were nothing human, and none of it was from the wisdom of the world. We know that Jeremiah's ministry was so profound that he only had, what, two conversions his entire ministry? Do you hear what I said? Jeremiah's ministry was so profound he only had two conversions in his entire ministry. And he was put in prison, he was put in jail, he was thrown into a pit of mud and and filth up up above his waist, almost to the point he was buried in it. Because he proclaimed God's word. God's word became joy and a delight to Jeremiah's heart. And the result of that was condemnation, abuse, and imprisonment. How many of us like that? If we've studied God's word, if we are called to be God's people, I'm not saying that all of us are prophets. Now, that's a, a different, different doctrinal thing of the, the priesthood of the believer, which I fully believe in that. does not necessarily to make each and every one of us prophets. But we are representatives of the kingdom. We do proclaim God's word to the world. The question is, Are we just hearing God's word, or does God's word become part of who we are? That's what we see here in Proverbs 24. The wisdom of Solomon to his son is my son. Eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. And know that wisdom is the same to your soul." If wisdom of God is that which we need to improve the soul, we just cannot haphazardly, casually experience wisdom. We cannot just haphazardly look at God's word and read a verse here and there and never ponder it, never meditate on it, never let it ooze into our being and change us. You see, true servants of God Receive God's word into their heart. If you go back to Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 10, we know that after Ezekiel eats this scroll that God gives him. We see here in verse 10 of chapter 3, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And go to the exiles to your people and speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. You see this word of God is received into Ezekiel's very being. It becomes nutrition to his heart. It is the wisdom of God through his word that changes the soul. It is nourishing to the soul. It is sweet to the soul. We're not talking about physical health here. We're talking about spiritual health. How many? How do we? How do we nourish our soul? Or do we? Are we so strung out by working 50, 60 hours a week at a job and then coming home and having more uh, more to do than time allows for our families and for our homes? How many people have a yard that hasn't been mowed or trimmed in a few weeks because you've just been too busy? Or a a garage that is so full of junk, we're so stretched out and, and stressed out that we can't even find the time to clean out the garage. That's the way our house is right now. For the first time in our marriage, I've got my car in the driveway, not in the park, not in the garage for a while. I, I've got to find time to clean out the garage. I was parking in the garage, and I don't know what happened, but suddenly I can't park in the garage anymore. Life. Part of it was I had to build this pulpit, and so my garage became my workshop, and I haven't been able to clean it out yet to get my car back in. Amen. Do we allow God's Word to delight our hearts, or do we just have a surface exposure to it. It's so easy just to come to church and be seen and and listen to a good sermon, sing a few songs, and then as soon as we walk out the door, we're mad at the line down here at the restaurants on Interstate Drive. Now, when I was growing up, it was the Piccadilly. Whenever you left church, you had to get to the Piccadilly because the Piccadilly had the line around the block uh, by 10 minutes after twelve. Because church was out by 12. Do we allow God's word to delight our hearts? You see, there's a contrast here between the true servants of God and those who are not. We are either true servants of God or we are wicked opposers of God, one or the other. There is no in-between. We are either true servants of God or we are wicked opposers of God according to Scripture. Those who are true servants of God perform their duty in God's kingdom seriously. They take serving God seriously because they have been changed by the word. They have been changed by Christ himself. And they take their duties seriously. In contrast to that, wicked opposers of God are just chattering people. They just like to run their mouths With no seriousness. Can we say amen to that? True servants of God proclaim what God presents in His Word because they have consumed it just like we've seen here, like honey. Just like the prophets have consumed God's scroll and it has become part of who they are. They proclaim what God has to say because it has become part of who they are. Wicked opposers of God proclaim their own eloquent wit. You know people who can, I mean, their tongue is very sharp and they're very eloquent and, boy, they're persuasive. Man, they could probably sell 100 cars a week down here on Interstate Drive. You know those kind of folks, good salesmen? You know people who like to talk a lot and they talk real beautiful? But when you listen to what they have to say, not one bit of it comes from God, it's from them. So true servants of God, what they proclaim, what they speak is coming directly from God himself. Through his word. Wicked opposers of God proclaim their own wisdom. They proclaim their own eloquence. And they actually take pride in how eloquent they are. True servants of God proclaim what has already nurtured their soul. Whatever God's word is causing within them to flourish. This idea of flourishing, it means to be alive. To prosper, to grow as human beings. What about you, but those times in my life where I feel very stagnant and dry, those times where I don't feel like I'm flourishing, or times when I have neglected the reading and the study of God's Word. It's a time where I have neglected even finding solitude in my busyness so that I can take time to consume and digest God's wisdom. Those who are true servants of God proclaim what has nurtured their soul because... It is like sweet honey that becomes part of us and and flourishes within us. Wicked opposers of God, in contrast, are those who are eloquent and they speak well, but what they're actually doing is they're, and and please forgive me for this description, but it is biblical, they're literally vomiting out what they have never taken into their heart. It's empty. You ever had somebody talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and after they're done you just feel like you've just been vomited all over Been there, done that? But if it's from God, if it's somebody who is a true servant of God when they speak, oh, it is so sweet and it is so appealing and attractive. The true servant of God receives the word of God into themselves and this word of God becomes hidden so deep within their hearts that whatever comes out is nothing but of God itself. Whereas wicked opposers of God are those who merely learn about God's Word. They may have every knowledge of the Greek and the Hebrew, and they may be able to articulate and, and, and translate their own scriptures from their own... I've known some folk, trust me, I know some seminary folks when I was in seminary. I just hated them in Greek class because they ruined the grading curve. And they could literally take a Greek New Testament and preach from it, from the pulpit. They were that good. Oh, it hurt my... Oh, it. It was bad. It was embarrassing to me. I couldn't do that. I had to take Greek twice. I don't think I still I think I passed with a D. But I got through it. But you know those people who merely learn about God's word and they just merely learn about religion and then they go around talking about it, but whatever they talk about doesn't seem very appealing or edifying and they're just are just talking. Psalm 34 helps us understand this in in even greater context. This this was our call to worship today. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That right there is a verse that you could put on your desktop wallpaper on your computer. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I would argue that those who who have been in church or been around church who don't have any good taste in their mouth have probably never really tasted the sweet honey of God's wisdom. Or if they have tasted it, they've spit it out. And never allowed it to change them and nourish them and become who they are. The walk with Christ is one of sweetness and difficulty. It's like a bittersweet thing. The bitterness of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. His suffering is something that we now partake in as well. Even though there's a sweetness in the redemption, there's a sweetness in the salvation. There's also a bitterness there as we share in Christ's suffering. But we continue and endure in enduring that because the because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. As Solomon in the Proverbs is reminding us to eat honey, for it is good. He's telling us to eat this sweet wisdom of God, consuming it. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future. Or the King James says, if you find it, there will be a reward. And your hope will not be cut off. Wisdom is that thing that we neglect because we live in a material world. We live in a world that defines reality by what can be measured And what can be proven physically rather than what nourishes the soul. And we have neglected that part of our human being. There was a time in human history where there was uh, the wisdom of the soul and the physical health of our bodies was one and the same. Our medical arts have now divided that. And it's not just the medical arts who does it, but it is the modern concept of scientific truth that takes the understanding of the soul and doubts it because it cannot be measured. I'm here to tell you from God's word and as God's people, if we want to be God's people, we cannot just be people of the material world. We must be people of the, of the book that changes and nourishes our soul. Families that raise children and wonder why their children are, are rebellious and hateful and uncontrollable, are those families that when you really dig deep into it, you realize that there's no priority for nourishing the soul or very little. Let us learn from God's wisdom. Let us learn from the wisdom of Solomon here. You may be, you may be here today and you may say, You know, I've been walking with the Lord all my life, I know everything in the scriptures. And I, I'm gonna I'm to pick on Jerry Woolbright or Jerry Vanderpool. I'm sorry, Jerry Vanderpool was not here today, so I can pick on her. Uh, if she hears on if she hears this on the recording, then she'll get after me later. But Jerry, Jerry Vanderpool, I think, was last Wednesday or the Wednesday before we were talking about prayer requests and uh, looking for examples in Scripture for uh, what where God hears prayer. And I think somebody mentioned uh, the, how the prophet is uh, Ezekiel. Not Ezekiel. Uh, who was it? It was one of the prophets. Uh, Ezra had prayed for rain or something, and then Jerry said, he didn't pray for rain. He prayed for fire. <laughs> she understands the Word. But you can also tell in her that she loves the Lord. I don't know about you, but we can study God's Word all day long. We can know all of the stories that we've learned from childhood on up. We can, we can dissect... Uh, verses of scripture and and figure out Paul's systematic theology up one side and down the other but if it's not nourishing the soul it's of no worth.